Welcome to the show. Once again, we have a fabulous lineup of guests to energize and inspire you. It's time to wake up your wow with your host, international award-winning speaker, Kath Vincent. On the show tonight, rock legend turned internet marketer, John Ojaka, talks openly on making music, making money, and making it happen. Fitness instructor Susanna Lopez reveals a fascinating mix of exercise disciplines for your mind and your body. And executive director of anti-violence charity Shine talks about having courage in life and in business. And in the Wild Records music slot with Jesse Wilde, we hear from singer-songwriter Huma Carroll. All this and more to wake up your wow. John, I'm so excited that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. Now, you are something of a rock legend. <laughs> now, you've had a bunch of recording deals. You've been with Warner, you've been with Interscope, and your music's been on loads of soundtracks as well. Yeah, in terms of soundtracks, I was in uh, What Happens in Vegas, so it's the end credit song there. Uh, Mystery Men was in that soundtrack, Club Land. Uh, I was in The Hammer. I did a version of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire in that film. Awesome. Um, number of TV programs and things like that over the years, yeah. and I've put out uh, three albums of my own, and and yeah. You have had heaps of major record deals. Like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I heaps. I don't know. I've had technically, I suppose there were actually four four deals in there, but three records came out. Um, initially, I was signed to Interscope. Interscope, uh, uh, one of the largest labels in the world. Um, uh, later, I uh, had to deal with Universal briefly that uh, I got sort of dropped from Universal, which then was re-signed to uh, Warner Brothers subsidiary for one, one record and then uh, more recently an independent label. Right. So, I mean, that's a kind of success that a lot of music musicians could only dream of, sure. but that for you hasn't been a rosy story. No. You know, I mean, it was great for a second. Um, it looked like I was set to be the next big thing and I did I had a great experience. I got paid quite well. Um, uh, from the initial record uh, deal and publishing deal. So, you know, how much are we talking? What kind of record deal are we talking? It was in the ballpark of 2.2 million. Right. Was... Okay. So a lot of musicians would call that success if they got to yeah, that. Yeah, no. On, that le on the financial <laughs> level, it was successful. You yeah. know, the disappointing part was that when the record actually came out, you know, all the promises to sort of stick, stick with you through thick and thin that every label um, is going to make, you know, they didn't really happen. The record didn't sell enough copies and I was dropped from the deal. Right. That must have been really disheartening. Yeah, you know, no, no fun, uh, no conversations, no, no. Um, let's work on some new demos. Just literally a, a phone call from the lawyer saying, you know, it's it's over, and, wow. and um, you're back at square one. And so, what happened when you got back to square one? Uh, as I mentioned, I kept at it. You know, I, I got back on the horse and got multiple new deals and kept trying to get deals. But the truth was that after. Uh, you know, each deal it just kind of kept getting worse. It got harder and harder because the deals got smaller and smaller, as did the labels. And uh, each time, I just wasn't selling enough copies, and it was starting to, uh, you know, look a little grim. Right. Then, what action did you take? I had started exploring other ways to make money because the writing was on the wall, and if you know the bank account didn't turn around, I was going to need to get a job. And oh wow! <laughs> stop! Stop! I did not want to do that, nor did I have uh, the skills You'd, to do so. You don't have the haircut for a job, really. <laughs> exactly. That, that was that was my argument. Um, but 
uh, yeah, so one day I'm sitting there on the computer and I've been, I've been wondering about this whole make money online thing that mm. everybody sees everywhere and, and that seemed perfect. I, didn't, I, I could be autonomous and one night I sprang for a course. I spent, I think, $200 on a course that promised to um, make me millions of dollars, <laughs> so little to no effort while I was sleeping. Uh, so I, yeah, I, I buy the course, I sit up all night, I spend, I think, $10 on advertising. It was a paid advertising-based strategy, so I got kind of quick results. And uh, lo and behold, I woke up and I sold a $20 ebook, and I had I was hooked. I was convinced that wow. where I can make, you know, so one $20 ebook or whatever the product might be, I, there was more money to be made. So you spent $10 and you made 20 Yes. Cool. Double your money. I, I like did. it. I did. And, and it, it was, you know, it was uh, inspiring. You, you, you have this cynicism about these things. They're all scams. Mm -hmm. It's all rubbish. And and for it to actually work was, was kind of inspiring. And again, it, it gave me hope that there were other avenues out there for me that didn't involve getting a day job. <laughs> so you still don't have a day job? I still don't have a day job. Brilliant. So you obviously took some more action after that. I did, yeah. So um, pursuing this, like I say, I got the bug and I spent the next probably about a year before things really uh, came to a head. You know, it wasn't easy. I had a lot of failures. That first sale was not followed by millions of sales with little to no effort. But after about a year, I had sort of cracked the code, so to speak, on, on what it means to run a successful online business. And I built an e-commerce business that uh, sold, uh, I don't, I'm, it's over $2 million to this at this point. I'm not exactly sure oh. where it's at right now, but over $2 million in sales. Wow, and that was just that's... the first initial business. Like I said, nothing to do with music just yet. Yeah. It was just trying to get the finances in order. Okay, well done. You obviously did that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, so once you'd taken that learning and that concept, then, then what happened after that? So as you do, you know, um, particularly when you're working online, you're always looking for new angles, new projects, and it only kind of made sense. I was, as I say, still making music, and I thought maybe, uh, you know, what if some of this stuff I'm learning about marketing could be used to sell music? And uh, I would use myself as a guinea pig and run little promotions and tests, and, you know, lo and behold, I, was, I sold records, you know? I could send out an email and wake up and there'd be $300 in album sales in my inbox, and that was something that in all of my time, whether on the labels or, or uh, you know, prior to that as an independent artist, I had never been able to do. Other than playing a show and standing there at the merch table, I did not know, and I don't know anyone who did, I did not know any action that I could take that resulted in sales. And so you feel very vulnerable. You need a manager, you need a lawyer, you need a record label. And for the first time, I, I didn't, and it was really, really exciting. That must have been so empowering. Yeah, it was. That's a fantastic kind of success story of, of, of just literally getting out there and doing it. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love this guy. <laughs> so listen, what do you think is the, you know, what's the ingredient? What, what is it about you that could make a $2 million business out of thin air? Um, what is it about me? I, I don't know. I think the, you know, there's a couple of different ingredients. One is um, just the willingness to stick at it and work, of course. But um, another, I, I suppose, on a more strategic level, reala realizing um, how kind of the world works and how human beings work and how there's really a simple process behind most of success, at least with business. It's finding a market and uh, creating something that that market wants and then figuring out where that market is and getting your message in front of them and really focusing on sales. At least that's been my approach as opposed to, again, what as a musician uh, I think I did most of my career, which is just coming up with a great idea and waiting for the world to find it. You know, yeah. there are, sales is a process. Um, as long as you do have a good product and you take care of people, you know, I think good customer support, especially online, is a big part of it. Um, and it, it really isn't that difficult. Yeah. 
It sounds, I remember you saying just a little earlier, I, I obsessed about direct marketing, I, and that was the term you used. You know, is there something about being, just digging in? Is, it, is, it, is there some personal attribute that people need? Well, I heard uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, he's a, a, a business author, and I'm a big fan of uh, what he's all about, but he, in his book, uh, Crush It, I think it was, and I'm definitely paraphrasing here, but <laughs> talked about uh, having uh, the entrepreneurial spirit in your DNA, and mm -hmm. some people have it and some people don't, and, but I think there may be something to that. Some people get extremely, uh, they, a spark goes off, they get obsessed, and uh, won't let up until they've accomplished what they are out to accomplish. Well, I think that's great advice for all of us. Don't let up until you've accomplished what you set out to. Yeah. And it helps if you have a roadmap along the way. You know, you'll 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 get there uh, far more often if you do. Yeah, brilliant, John. Thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Next up, fitness instructor Susana Lopez on her mind-body workout, Hypnolates. Susana, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for flying all the way from Australia to see us. It's my pleasure. Now, you're actually from Madrid, though. Yes, yes, from Spain, from Madrid. And today you're talking to us about hypnolates. Yes. Explain hypnolates. You yes. actually developed this, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Uh, hypnolates is a mixture, like a mind-body mixture between meditational hypnosis and pilates, or pilates and meditational hypnosis. It's all mixed in, ah, in a class. What an interesting idea. So as you say, it's the mind and the body yeah. working in harmony. So would you call hypnolates, is it an exercise regime? Is it a mental health program? What would you describe it as? It is mostly an exercise regime that have the components of the mind and how fit foods, healthy foods works in, in the body. Yeah. So the mind and the body can work together. Right, that's interesting because a lot of people I know, they might focus on exercise, but maybe they're not attending to the other part. And this is the two in harmony. Yeah, I, I see it as, um, I call it the 33%, so everything is 33% to make the 100, so the first one for me, it was also, also always the physical, yeah. uh, the second one for me was like the mind, and the third one was the, the feed foods, uh, foods that makes you feel good. Right. Um, so if you have the 33%, say, the three parts, yeah. everything works together, but if we were missing one of them, normally, yeah. Um, I could find myself in, in the past working really hard in the gym, uh, doing running, doing marathon training, but I don't get any results, don't lose the weight that I want to lose, and don't get the results that I wanted because something was missing. Right. Now that's actually really interesting. So the three parts are exercise, exercise mind, mind, and food. And food. And in the mind I also include a little bit the energy, like the how you feel in the energy inside the emotions. Yeah. So how, what advice can you give us about managing our energy? Because we all go through these kind of peaks and troughs. Yes, we do actually. Um, you can feel it. When the energy comes through, when the, the emotions come through, the, the best thing to do is just go with the flow. And it sounds like it's really easy, but it's quite really hard. It's taking a moment and take a breath. Uh, Pilates work with breathing. So what I did in the class is just take a moment and start settling yourself and just breathing and just getting into the body because we we feel energetically talking, we feel like we, we go above the body, yeah. we're flying away. Actually, people do try and suppress those kind of emotions that come up, don't they, rather than breathing and being present with them. Yeah, so what happens is it's much easier to suppress them because it takes a little bit more time to to 
manage them and to learn to manage them. So in, in today's life, we're looking for very quick fix normally and quick things and quick food and quick everything. Yeah. And it takes a little bit more time. What would you say to somebody, not mentioning any people, but say someone's very busy, has, can't kind of take the time, wants to eat a bar of chocolate? <laughs> if it makes you feel good, eat it. Yeah. It's just if the afterwards, how do you feel? And are you eating the chocolate because you want to suppress an emotion that is coming up, like a, a bit of a stress, anxiety? Are you eating the chocolate because it makes you feel good or laugh? Yeah. What do you need? Maybe you need just a hug? A little bit of uh, water and maybe uh, a little bit more breathing and moving. Yes, a hug, some water and uh, some breathing. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> now listen, you've captured a lot of this stuff in the book. You're actually on your way to do a book signing Ooh, in America. Yes. Congratulations. Yes, thank you. Now tell us what we can expect in the book. You can expect um, things that you already know. Um, for where I come from, where um, things um, that I always saw when I was little, like my mom was struggling with weight, my grandma was struggling with weight, my auntie was struggling with, so I did the struggle with weight. Mm -hmm. um, things that we already know, then they there, then you can get any results with breathing, with easy exercises. It doesn't have to be killing exercises. So. With the book, I want to um, women realize that every single answer that they have is inside of them, then they just have to go inside and reach for that. Mm -hmm. That will make them to feel the best. Yeah. Right. And where to from here for you? Uh, for me, uh, whatever the book takes me, it really is like a journey. Every time that the book says going somewhere, I say yes, yeah. no, no matter where it is. Yeah. And, and my next stop will be in November when I'm going to do a book signing in New York. Yeah. And I thought, why not? So I said yes to everything. It's a journey for me. Thank you for taking us on that journey with you. And we wish you every success with that fabulous book. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> next up, Jane Drum on what it takes to grow a charity. Jane, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Kath, for inviting me. Now, you are the Executive Director of SHINE. Tell me a bit about the work of that charity. Well, our objective is to keep victims of domestic abuse safe in their own homes. Yeah. So our name is actually Safer Homes in New Zealand Every Day. Um, and, and tell me a bit about how you got into working with SHINE. Well, it was a long time ago. I'm in my 18th year now. Um, well, um, I used to be a probation officer. I was a probation officer for about 13 years. Yeah. And I'd been on the management committee of this organisation and I, um, there was a vacancy. In fact, I actually was the fourth manager in about a year. Oh, stressful job. That's a sign. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you don't want that job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll go there. And I'm interested and I knew something about it. And I thought, well... I'll go there for a couple of years and do something, and then I've got manager, <laughs> my CV. But I actually, um, after I got through quite a hard start, yeah. um, I actually found I really liked it. Right. I really loved it, in fact. I felt quite passionate about it. So it must be, as you say, you know, you mentioned having a hard start. It must be quite a difficult environment to work in. It was exceptionally tough. Yeah. I'd never managed anybody before. I'd managed people on probation, yeah. um, 
and they didn't have any um, they didn't have any any say about coming to see me. But it was really different managing staff. But we moved through that um, changes of staff, new directions, yeah. and um, it just grew from there. Um, I, I think I'm quite an opportunistic sort of person, and I I had a real strong vision for where we might get. Yeah, and yeah. tell me a bit about that vision. Well, I really believe that when people's lives are at stake, which is basically the work that we're involved in, yeah. we have to be the best we can be, and um, you know, good enough is not good enough. Yeah. And so um, I looked at what we were doing, which was a pretty little range of services, and it just wasn't, it wasn't significant. It wasn't making any kind of blip on the horizon yeah. at all. And here we were based in Auckland, New Zealand's biggest city. So I started to think about how we could build and expand out. Yeah. Uh, one of the first things I added was a stopping violence program for um, people who perpetrated that violence. And way back 18 years ago, that was really radical yeah. because we were focused on working with victims. But I just thought it's ridiculous, particularly having come from probation. Yeah. It's ridiculous not working with the people who, who do the hurting as well. Mm. So, so in, in real terms, what kind of work are you doing with them? How are you helping them to not be violent anymore? We run a Stopping Violence program, which is 20 weeks, yeah. and um, we really help people understand the thinking that goes into the kind of behaviour that leads to the sort of actions that they take, which are really wrong, the, the bad thinking yeah. they've got, which is basically about feeling justified to hurt somebody else to get their own way. Right, okay. Yeah. And what is the scale of the problem in New Zealand? It's huge in this country. We've got, we live in this really beautiful, beautiful country. Yeah. And um, probably um, the police would, would get advised about um, 100,000 cases a year. Um, 100,000 cases yeah, a year? Yeah, yeah, that's about um, one every six minutes that the, that the police wow. are, are out there looking at. Um, one woman in three um, experiences a... Um, um, sexual or physical violence in her lifetime. It's really, really high. One in three? Yeah, in New Zealand. Do you know, when you put the numbers in those terms, you say one yeah. in three, you start yeah. looking around and say, well, yeah. I, can see, I can see three women, you know. Mm. You, you know, it's not like saying, mm. well, one in 2,000 yeah. or something, which is quite hard to imagine. Yeah. So what you're saying, really, is that we probably all know somebody. Everyone in New Zealand knows not just one somebody. They know heaps of somebodies. Wow. Mm. And I guess that must mean that the problem is largely hidden. It is. Uh, the, the police think that they only get about 20% of what's going on reported to them. Wow. Yeah. So the so, number you get, so 100,000 yeah. is only 20% of... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it is really massive. So that's what I'm saying. We, we have to be as good as we possibly can be. Um, our resources are really tiny. It's yeah. really, really tight. And so I feel really strongly that we just have to keep learning and, and working out new ways of doing things much more effectively because I believe that people deserve to be able to remain safely living in their home because I think, why should the person who's done nothing wrong have to leave? Yeah. And so while we do run some refuges, um, I really want to commit most of our resources to actually keeping people safe there in their homes. And we work with lots of other organisations, up at the hospital, with the police, Child Youth and Family, lots of organisations 
just to do that. Yeah, and I, I know your passion is about developing the organisation, but actually you personally have achieved an enormous amount over the last 18 years. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> now, yeah. don't be coy. Don't oh, be coy. Tell well, us a bit about, I mean, it has grown literally from a handful of people, hasn't it? Yes, that's right. So when I first started there, we had a budget of 180,000 and it's grown to an organisation of 3 million a year. So it's taken a huge amount of personal commitment from me and just dogged perseverance. Yeah. I think the key thing, though, is that there's a great staff that work with me, and so it's not a, a solo voyage. I'm not like, you know, the Lone Ranger or anything. Yeah. <laughs> and so one of the, the things that I'm really proud about is that we've created an organisation that's really high achieving, and it attracts fantastic staff, just wonderful, really smart people, and yeah. that's that's really this is the secret to my success. I get to get, <laughs> I get, to get to all the, the glory, but actually, it's the amazing people that I work with. Yeah. yeah. So, do you know, there's heaps of little little kind of clues about what makes mm. up success. So, give me your top three real quick. Perseverance. Yep. Stickability. Yep. And being curious. Mm, I like it. Yeah. Listen, thank you so much for that, sharing those tips with us today. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Welcome back. Great to be here again. Now, who's recording in the studio right now? We have another fine Kiwi singer-songwriter named Hugh McCarroll. And what's Hugh going to do for us? Hugh's going to do a song called Tuesday, and he's going to be using a loop pedal. Oh, how interesting. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's hear from Hugh.
Thank so, you. Uh, that's a lot of music for one person. That's yes, it is. Um, look, the loop's fairly new to me, um, but uh, still discovering it. There's so much to those awesome devices. So, um, yeah, the further I go, the more I explore, and um, yeah, it's a really fun instrument. So, how, how does it work? You're actually playing something and programming it, and then playing it back. How does it uh, work? Yeah, I start with a bass layer, which in that instance was the guitar, um, the sort of bass line of the guitar, then added uh, rhythm section, and then some lead over the top uh, mm -hmm. before the voice came in. So it was a sort of build up. <laughs> Yeah, like literally a one-man band. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Where did you learn to do that, or where, how did, who did this 
Uh, I guess I've just uh, been inspired by a few particular musicians. Um, you, you look at the likes of Brian Adam, who, yep. who uses it a lot, um, and David Gray, um, yep. even Ed Sheeran's quite a master on it, so um, it's becoming more and more popular. Excellent. Yeah, mm. well, hey, you're in great company with those guys. Uh, yes, I, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And hey, what, what's the song about? A Tuesday? A uh, yeah, Tuesday? the song's called Tuesday. Um, I guess it's a sort of uh, mixed emotive uh, song about a relationship with the past, but... Um, Yes, as so many are, but uh, Tuesday being a day when I think all comes clear in many ways. So, mm. Excellent. Lo almost all songs are about relationships, isn't that right? Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. either one's going wrong or, or one's going great. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. On the up or on the down. Well, it's Monday today, but thank you so much for performing Tuesday. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, awesome. Thanks so much, Hugh. Thank you. Yeah. My thanks to all my special guests to John, to Susanna, to Jane, to Hugh, and our very own Jessie Wilde. And until next time, don't wait to wake up your wow. Um, I bet your underwear's really rock star, isn't it? Well, I'll never tell, um, but... Later. <laughs>